0: that he wants to uh, speak this word to us today. So if you'll stand with me all over the room, we're going to read eight verses of Scripture in the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Then he, he being Jesus, spoke a parable to them. A parable was a story used to teach a lesson. The, then he, being Jesus, spoke a parable to them that men, ought, men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, and this is a story that he told, to teach the lesson. There was a certain, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was also a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning a message I've simply titled Pray. Pray and pray some more, if you will. Pray with me and for me one last time this morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the precious people that have assembled together here and online to hear your word. God, we ask for the next few moments that you would just anoint me, Lord, that I would uh, speak your word, not my words today. I would not speak with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but Lord, your word would come forth today in the power and the demonstration of your Spirit. I ask you would anoint the ears of every list, the ears of every listener, to hear and the heart of every listener to receive your word today. God, you know it's my desire that we would hear what you're speaking to us. It's my desire that your people would recognize both the need and the benefit of persistent prayer today. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do in and through your word. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Jesus was telling a parable or a story to illustrate the point that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. And in this story, a widow was continually coming to an unjust judge. That's important for you to take note of, an unjust judge for help. And essentially, what she was saying to that unjust judge is, somebody is opposing me. And I need you to avenge me now. Now the word avenge means to inflict harm in return on behalf of another who has been injured or harmed. To inflict harm in return on behalf of another who has been injured or harmed. And so we can infer from this illustration that this judge that she was going to had the, power, the both the power, the influence, and the ability to make a difference in this situation nevertheless the answer did not seem to be coming like, like she would expect it to come and in fact more often the more often the widow appeared before the judge it seemed like the situation grew worse are you with me this morning how many times have you the more you prayed about something it seems like it got worse and worse so stick with me finally Things took a turn for this widow. And in verses 4 and 5 of Luke chapter 18, the word said, And the judge, he, he being the judge, would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I don't even fear God, nor do I regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. I will inflict harm in return on others for her behalf, lest by her continually coming... She wears me out. Anybody ever had anybody wear you out? That's what he's saying. Lest she wears me out, coming again. So Jesus concluded this parable in verses 6 and 7 saying, Hear what the unjust judge said. Watch this. And shall God not avenge. Now let's go back to what the word avenge means. Shall God not inflict harm in return on behalf of His children who have been injured or harmed. Are you with me? Shall God not inflict harm in return uh, on behalf of His children who have been injured or harmed who cry out day and night to Him, though He bears long with them? That's what He said. He said... uh, In other words, God will fight for you if you'll call out to Him. It did not say God will fight for those who attend church on Sunday mornings. It did not say God will fight for those who love their brother as their self. It did not say God will fight for those, as good of a thing as it is, who pay their tithes. It did not say God will fight for those who try to be peacemakers. It said God, it did not say God will fight for those who call themselves Christians or children of God. It said God will fight for His own elect who do what? Who cry out day and night to Him. Who continually pray to Him. God's not like the unjust judge. God's not going to draw back or refuse to answer you. Even though it may seem and it may look like after you pray for a while, it may look like he's putting you off or things are even getting worse. And see, I believe that many people today in this world we find ourselves living in, in the church in particular, the church world, not just this, this church, I believe many people today are close to losing heart. That's what he said in the opening passage of Scripture. He said, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. I believe many folks are losing heart if they've not already lost heart. They have prayed for a specific situation, maybe perhaps a family member uh, or, or a loved one. Or they've prayed for even maybe some aspect of their own character to change. But the answer has still not come. But however, we must remember, church, that answers do not always come in the way or at the time that we think they should come. Are you with me? We want God to answer according to our schedule. We want God to answer according to our plan. We want, if we love our children, we want our children saved today. If we've got something that we're praying about for God to change within us, if we want an issue in our character to change, we want that done and over with yesterday. We're we're not we're not we're not even asking for it today. We're like, I want this thing done and over with. If we want that annoying person on our job, can I get a witness this morning? If we want that annoying person on our job to be gone, we want it to happen by Monday morning. When we left work on Friday, all tore up, right? However, (laughs) now I'm getting some help. However, the Lord gave us this particular story, this parable, for a reason. And that reason was to encourage us to keep praying and not give up on the process. Are you with me? Jesus even added, and I love this, in Luke 18 and 8, Jesus even added, I tell you, that he will avenge them speedily. That means quickly. In other words, the decision to answer us is made by God when we pray quickly. God makes the decision to answer us quickly. But we must keep praying until we see him answer. Until we see the answer Come to pass. Now, the Bible gives us many examples of when God answered the prayers of His people, yet maybe they did not see the answer immediately with their natural eyes. We're going to talk about two of those today. First of all, I want you to consider when the children of Israel were living as slaves for a season in Egypt. In the book of Exodus, chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, we read this. Now, it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. And they did what? And they did what? They cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God did what? Heard. God heard their groaning. And God did what? Remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. When God hears you, God remembers. Just a minute ago, I read to you that it said he will avenge you speedily. In other words, he'll make the decision to answer the prayer quickly. But when it's not happened yet, and God's made that decision, when God hears you again, God remembers. Are you with me? And so he said, uh, and God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. So here's what the people were essentially crying. They were essentially crying and praying, God, Help us. See if this don't sound familiar in the world that we find ourselves living in today. God, help us. Do you not see, God, what's happening down here? We are your people, but we are being oppressed. We're being ridiculed. We're being mocked. We're being controlled. Are you with me? Didn't you say that we would be blessed and become a blessing, God, to all those who live in the earth? And because... That There was this collective cry that arose because of the incredible oppression that they were facing. And the scripture said that God acknowledged them. That meant that he accepted them as his own people and he answered their cry. Now, I wonder what would happen today, in the day and the hour that we live in, if those that call themselves the church those that call themselves the bride of Christ, rather than, I'm going to preach on us, is that okay? Rather than getting on social media and griping about the political situation, rather than, folks, and thank God we don't have anybody here that I know of participating in this, and we are not uh, endorsing it neither, but rather than... Forming protest, calling ourselves Christians, forming protest with signage and chants and things that are hateful, evil, and ungodly in in uh, capital places and places of government, rather than. Uh, taking a stand that way and spewing hate and discord, rather than talking about it and complaining about it and posting on social media about it, I wonder what would happen if there was a collective cry from amongst the people of God, for God to intervene in the situation that we're living in. See, this word does not promise us when we gripe about it, complain about it, or protest it, that God's going to move. But what this word does promise us is that when we cry out to God, God will hear us, and God will avenge us. That's what the word promises us. And so we read in chapter 3 of Exodus, verses 7 through 10, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and the Freedom Pointites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore... I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. When God hears our cry, God will send us to lead people out of bondage. And right at the moment when the people of Israel cried out, did you realize that right at that moment, God could have snapped his fingers. I couldn't get a loud snap there. Right at the moment, God could have snapped his fingers. He could have instantly opened the country's borders, he could have created an army out of absolutely nothing, or he could have even sent angels down from heaven to cause all of Egypt to die right on the spot. God could have done it so many different ways, but instead, he chose a way that was probably not the way the people would have wanted. Do you know what God did? If you know the story, when God heard their cry, God went out into the desert into the wilderness, and he found a man who was 80 years old, and he called him. Now, I can just imagine if God started revival today in a way like that, there'd be a lot of us that'd be like, psh, right? The point is, God was answering their cry, but the people couldn't see it. The people couldn't see it what God was doing in God's direction and all the while the answer was in progress through a man named Moses most of you know the story but before God could do what he needed to do God first had to now get this there's two things about my study in this sermon that that made me feel better actually about myself and I'm going to bring those out because I'm my own worst critic sometimes some of you probably are too but God first had to deal with Moses and get Moses through his own unbelief did you realize that? Now, when you can serve the Lord most of your life and find yourself 80 years old and you're still struggling with unbelief, that lets us know we're all human. We don't ever arrive until we've arrived, if you know what I mean. Until we arrive in heaven, we will have never arrived. So God had to deal with Moses first and help him work through his own unbelief. And then after that, Moses had to go to his father-in-law, Jethro, And he had to ask for permission to leave. And then he had to go. It was a step-by-step process from what God started when he started dealing with Moses. After he went there and got permission to leave, he had to go convince his brother Aaron to go with him. And finally, he had to gather his family and he had to set out on foot to the land of Egypt. And eventually, Moses showed up in the camp of Israel. And he told the people, In the camp of how God appeared to him in a burning bush. You remember that story. And he explained the plan for him and Aaron to stand before Pharaoh demanding their freedom. And in Exodus chapter 4 verse 31. Listen, watch this. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel. And that he had looked on their affliction. Then they bowed their heads and worshipped. First of all, they believed. I want you to notice that. That's the first step. Believing. Yet even after they believed... If you read the story, things grew worse. And Pharaoh eventually said to Moses and Aaron, verse, chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, but he said, you are idle, idle. Now, that exclamation point is there for a purpose. He was driving a point home. Have any of y'all ever said to your children, stop it? I said, stop it. You ever done that? You do, yeah. Don't lie in the Lord's house. When you do that, you're driving a point home. Here is what uh, Pharaoh said to Moses and Aaron. He said, you are idle, idle. You are idle. He said, therefore you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. He said, therefore go now and work. For no straw shall be given to you, yet you shall deliver the same quota of bricks. So the children of Israel said to Moses and Aaron, Chapter 5, verse 21. And they said to them, Let the Lord look upon you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand and kill us. Now listen, all this had happened. All this turmoil, all this stuff broke loose since the day they began crying out to God. Now in reality, God was avenging his people speedily. God was using Moses. He had already... He had already thought out the process and the answer. But the people couldn't see it. Things seemed to be getting worse. And with hopelessness setting in more deeply than ever before. And right before the moment of great deliverance, as the people's faith was beginning to fail, even Moses, watch this, 80-year-old man who had served the Lord a long time, even Moses came back to God and started accusing Exodus chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why? Stop right there. How many times in your walk have you said, Lord, why? I'm glad to know I'm not the only one that does that. I'm also glad to know that Moses had that much humanity about him. That even Moses said, Lord, why? Have you brought trouble on these people? See, God had answered and was providing the way out. They couldn't see it. And even Moses himself, whom God was using to lead them out, couldn't see it. And he said, God, why have you brought trouble on these people? Why is it you have sent me here? Has anybody ever asked that question? Angie and I one time in our uh, ministerial journey asked that question. Why on earth did you send us here? You missed it, or we missed it. One, why did you send us here? And Moses said, Why is it you've sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. God, why did you allow this to happen, and why are you not delivering us? Now, what I just read to you is exactly why in John chapter or Luke chapter 18, we see Jesus in verse 8 finishing the parable. Of the widow and the unjust judge by saying, I tell you, that he will avenge them speedily. I tell you, God will fight on your behalf and he'll make up his mind to do it right away. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? In other words, when he does come back, will there be anybody left who still believes that God is the same yesterday, today, And forever? When he returns, will there really be anybody left that believes that God moves, can move today like he did yesterday? Folks, I see it happening in the church today. I I have known ministers of the gospel who are now old that will look you straight in the eye and tell you, God doesn't move today the way he used to move. The miracles that we used to experience, they're yesteryear. They're gone. They're not going to happen again. They have grown old and they have lost heart. I want to tell you something this morning. God has not changed. If anything has changed, it's been us. If anything has changed, it's been the church. If anything has changed, it's been the people that said, Oh, we don't want to do anything that makes anybody uncomfortable. We want to do something that causes people to want to come to church. We don't want to do anything that causes people to feel convicted. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to do anything that causes people to feel uncomfortable when the Holy Ghost begins to move or we. We don't want to do anything anymore that causes people to dislike something about the church whatsoever. We don't want people to get convicted of their sins, because they don't know the difference between conviction and offense. When they become offended, they, then they, they think, when they become convicted, they think they're offended, but. In reality they wouldn't be offended if the Holy Ghost wasn't convicting them. We don't want to do anything that causes any of that to happen and therefore we don't see God move like He used to move. We don't see God save people like He used to save people. We don't see God heal people like He used to heal people. We don't see the signs, the miracles and the wonders that we used to see. But I tell you this morning it's not God that's changed. I said it's not God that's changed. it's His people who have bowed their knee and who have compromised what thus saith the Word of God. It's His people who have relegated the whole goes to a back room somewhere. It's his people that have changed their hearts and changed their minds. But I come to bring you some good news this morning. If his people will humble themselves again and they'll cry out and they'll say, Oh God, fill us up with your spirit. Oh God, send holy conviction. Oh God, let fire fall from heaven. Oh God, forgive us. Oh God, restore us. Oh God, renew us. If God's people will collectively make that cry, then we'll see fresh fire begin to fall from heaven. We'll see revival in our church, in our homes, in our city, and in our region. If, if we cry. If we cry. out, And so, that's what he's asking. Folks, I want to tell you something. Once we've prayed, we must keep believing and keep praying and keep believing and keep praying. And then we don't see the answer still. Keep believing and then keep praying and pray and pray some more. Pray until the answer comes. Now, I want us to look at one more example through the prophet Elijah. Now, the scripture The New Testament describes Elijah in James. James actually describes Elijah in James chapter 5 and verse 17. And I like this. Moses done made me feel better about myself. See, this is a good word today. Make you feel better about yourself and convicted at the same time. Say amen, somebody. Maggie said amen, somebody. Here's what James had to say. Elijah, I read this this week and I had to stop right there. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Elijah. Have you ever read about the miracles of Elijah? But Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. I don't know about you. Maybe you think more of yourself than I do. Sometimes my nature is not the best. And those that live in my household said, oh, somebody wake her up so she can amen me. She's already heard it once. Forgive her. Show her some grace. Uh, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. That means he was like us. And watch this, though. Elijah was not a superhuman, not a super spiritual man. But he prayed. How did he pray? Earnestly. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And watch what happened. It did not rain on the land for three years and six months. He was a man just like us. All the miracles that he did. Just like us. His Adam nature, just like yours. He was not a superhuman being. He was an ordinary man. Here's what he did. He simply believed God. And he undertook the calling that was placed upon his life with sincerity. And all of us have a calling. So that God would be honored and the people's hearts would turn back to him. And the book of 1 Kings shows us that Elijah prayed earnestly for a reason. In essence, he was crying out, God, whatever it takes, turn the heart of these people back to you. So for three and a half years, see... All the false comfort was taken away when Elijah prayed. Because the people, see if this doesn't sound reflective of the church world today and America as a whole. The people were satisfied as long as their cupboards were full. The people were satisfied as long as everything looked good and they were blessed. So what did God do in order to get the people back? In his mercy, God sent a drought and stripped it all away. It took three and a half years for them to go through all the supplies that they had. All the crop they had put back. Have y'all put back, anybody put back any corn and beans and any of that good stuff this year? Let me see your hands. Don't forget to bless you, Pastor. I'm just kidding. Anybody old enough to know what a pounding was? It's the way they used to pay the preachers in in the old day. Everybody bring a little bit of something and send it home with them. Let the Lord deal with you, amen. But anyway, he, he took their bread. He took, God took their bread out of their cupboard. He took their crops out of the field. He stripped it all away. And suddenly, even the false prophets that had claimed that all this stuff, they would always have it. They would always have abundance. Even, even they recognized everything's gone. We've lost everything. And when it seemed as if everything was coming to an end, God finally had gotten the people's attention. Can I ask you something this morning? How long have we been at this now? Almost 19 months. And I found myself asking last week and this week, God, what's it going to take to get people's attention? Now, as you know, my daughter is doing her preceptor. She works the COVID unit, PCU, at Corbin Hospital. Yesterday in one 12-hour shift, She personally, all COVID patients, she personally witnessed three people die. Four people who did not die were put on a ventilator. And she lost count of how many people on that floor crashed during that 12-hour shift. At one point during the day, she was told they had almost every crash cart in the hospital up on the third floor. Folks, it is so much worse right now than it was last year when we were shut down for 10 weeks. Do you hear me? What is it going to take for God to get the attention of the people of God? You say, Pastor, what does that have to do with anything? If you can't see that God is ripping some things away, you need to open your eyes. You need the blinders removed. And here's what I believe, and I'm almost done. I'm about ready to wrap this up. But there's always a moment. There's always a moment in time when people's hearts are open to truth again. Just like this hour and this day in which we're leaving. There's a moment when people are are weary, when people are tired of evil being paraded as good and good being cast down as evil. Are you with me? There's a moment in time when people get weary with that. There's a moment in time when people are tired of the confusion that is being forced upon their children. I don't know if you realize where we're living. And, I, and I, I'm going to share this. I shared it at 845. I didn't have it in my notes. And and I try to refrain from some of this stuff because inevitably somebody always gets offended or upset if, if you talk too much about it. And they say, well, you're just getting too political. But it's not really political. It's 100% biblical. There's nothing else I know to talk about regardless of which side of the aisle you sit on. It. It's irrelevant to the fact. I read week before last... That some places are making an issue now. Now everybody's familiar. I mean, it's no new thing about the pronouns of choice, right? Everybody, everybody knows about pronouns of choice. You get to choose whether you want to be uh, a he and a him, or a she and a her, or an it and a they, right? Everybody's got their choice. That's that's nothing new. I read week before last, that now they're raising a stink about saying we're not going. They're, they're wanting us not to be allowed to say that a man cannot give birth thank God a man cannot give birth but not thank God that I can't say that a man can't give birth I just want to tell you this and I'm trying not to get too graphic we have two branches of kids church that your kids are welcome to be in if they hear what I'm about to say I'm going to tell you this That's the biggest pile of foolishness I've ever heard in my life. And what that goes back to, I'll tell you why they're saying that. They're saying that because of the little five- and six-year-old little boy who goes to school that's got two daddies. And when the five- to six-year-old little boy that's living at home, in a normal home, is like, what's up with that? You you, You can't have a, who's your mommy? And then what happens is, that child who came from the normal home is reprimanded and made to feel like he's less than because he questioned something that was 100% abnormal. And now they want to make the good person out to be the bad person. And there's something wrong with that mommy and daddy if they're not teaching that child that it's not okay to question what's going on over here. But I want to tell you something. A man cannot give birth. They can put an egg in him, and they can fertilize it if they want to. And when I hear about it, I'll take the first flight to wherever it is with my video camera to see if I can watch it happen, because I promise you if he does give birth and we put it out there for the world to see like we do everything else today, then I promise you there won't be any other men on earth wanting to give birth. Is anybody with me in the house this morning? There won't be anybody else trying to say men can't give birth. They'll say, no, it ain't meant to be that way. Trust me, that poor man was annihilated. I'm going to tell you something right now. That's foolishness. I'm tired of our kids at the ages of six, seven, eight, and nine being confused at school because of what they're being taught. There comes a moment in time where the people of God need to get weary with that stuff and not get weary to the point of, of drawing attention to ourselves or looking like that we are reflecting hate or or any of those things, but getting weary with it enough that we'll get serious enough with God to say, God, if you don't move, God, we need, just like they sung this morning, we need a move. We all ought to have been praying while they were singing that song. God, we need a move. This community needs a move. I've never seen, I've never seen a drug epidemic like it is. I'm forever more passing people just walking in the middle of the street higher than a kite. Is anybody with me? It's an epidemic. We need a move of God. But until we get concerned enough to pray, we won't see anything happen. But I believe there's a moment in time where people will recognize and realize that. And it was at such a time as this that Elijah prayed again. He prayed after the drought, after the people knew that what they had been trusting was of no lasting value. This time Elijah was praying for the blessing of God to come down upon the people because God saw their hearts and they were beginning to turn to the Lord again. And in 1 Kings 18 verses 42 through 44 we see that Elijah bowed his head seven times and prayed seven times. So Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face to his knees and said to his servant, Go up now toward look toward the sea so he went up and looked and there's nothing and seven times seven times he said go again then it came to pass on the seventh time that he said there's a cloud it's as small as a man's hand and it's rising out of the sea so he said go up and tell ahab prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you i want to tell you something this morning thank god that elijah did not give up after the third or fourth time are you with me this morning Thank God that Elijah did not give up after the third or fourth time or how very different history might have been had he given up. But because Elijah chose to press in, to persevere, the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. I want to tell you, folks, just as Elijah did, you and I have got to learn to persevere in prayer, particularly in this dark hour that we find ourselves living in. But unfortunately, I think we've become such an instant society. You know, the I want it all and I want it now. The microwave religion society that many of us have lost an understanding of that old-fashioned concept that was a part of the church for 2,000 years. What was that? Pray until the results come. Don't give up when you've prayed the third or the fourth time. Don't give up when you've prayed the fifth or even the sixth time and it looks like nothing's changed. Don't give up. Persevere in prayer. Press in till the answer is made manifest. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Then go ahead and come to the music. The word says praying when? Let's try that again. Praying always. With all prayer and supplication. Watch this. In the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. I want to share a couple things with you first of all. Praying always. Now, some of you might have been nervous when I called a Monday evening prayer meeting and I made the statement, I don't know how long we'll do this. And I still don't. I know we're going to take a break on the 20th. We might pray again on the 27th. I don't know. But I can promise you this. We are going to make a prayer meeting. An evening prayer meeting that any that whosoever will, who wants to attend, can be there. An evening prayer meeting periodically in this church. You say, Pastor, why? That's what the Word tells us to do. Actually, the Word doesn't say make sure that you got all the music lined out just right and it's good to prepare. You know that I believe in excellence in anything we do in the kingdom. But the Word doesn't tell us to have church three and four and five times a week. It doesn't tell us to have service always. Actually, it says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's church the manner of some is, even the more so as you see the day approaching. Don't forsake to get together. I mean, getting together on a weekly basis is getting together. It does not tell us not to forsake assembling always, but what does it tell us about prayer? Praying always. With all prayer and supplication, watch this, in the Spirit. Now somebody might say, now Pastor, you said you want this to be a non-denominational thing. If prayer turns out Tomorrow night, like it did last Monday night, we're not going to get all denominations to keep coming with us because there was a lot of praying in the Spirit went on last Monday night. Well, let me tell you, I beg to differ with you. I believe all denominations will support it because as a matter of fact, this week, I had somebody who's never attended this church, never been a part of a service here. I know for a fact they've watched us on Facebook. They're part of another denomination. And my thought would be that they probably think that some of what we do is unnecessary. However, guess who they contacted this week when they wanted prayer? And I'm honored to be able to pray with and for them for what that need is. And I told them, I said, Monday night at our prayer meeting, I'm going to write this down. I don't have to tell everybody about it. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to lay it on that altar. And we're going to believe God and we're going to pray. Folks, I want to tell you something. People might think. Some people might think that sometimes it's a little too much. It's a little unnecessary. Not all of that is necessary. But I want to tell you something right now. When people get in trouble, I've learned from experience. You know who the first people they call on is? People that know how to pray in the Spirit. People that are willing to pray in the Spirit. So I'm okay. I just want you to know right now I'm okay with, listen, I've been in business in this community for 27 years and I know a lot of people in this community and if this, the growth of this church was based on people that knew me professionally and liked me as a person, we'd be building the biggest facility that Corbin has for people to worship in. I don't say that to pat myself on the back, I just say that because I've not, I've tried my best not to make many enemies along life's way and make a whole lot of friends. And I found a lot of people to be there for me. But a lot of people will also tell me they don't worship like I do. They worship a little bit different. That's A-OK with me. Here's what I'm telling you. I'm OK with being the church that's labeled as well. They Have you ever been over there? They pray in the Spirit. Have you ever been over there? They they The Holy Ghost just moves and takes over a service. Have you ever? Sometimes he don't preach. Sometimes people squall. Sometimes people shout. Sometimes people run. Sometimes people dance. I want to tell you something. I'm okay with being that church because when they want a move of God, when they need uh, an intervention from God, I promise you, you'll be the first people they call on because they know, they know that we know how to pray. I would to God that everybody that calls this church their home church, everybody that's watching me live on Facebook right now, would join together with us and say God, we're going to pray. We're gonna keep praying and keep praying and keep believing and keep praying and keep believing until we see you stirring in this city and turning it upside down. I want to tell you something this morning. When the production of music and a motivational, inspirational message doesn't get the job done, about seventy-five people praying in the spirit will cause conviction to fall from heaven, and three teenagers will talk to somebody they came with and say, "I." Need to pray and they'll go to the youth pastor and they'll pray the prayer of salvation and receive Jesus when God's people pray we must be a place of prayer you'll stand with me all over the house this morning God's looking for some people who will say I'm not going to let go of my sons and daughters I'm not going to let go of my grandchildren I'm not going to let go of my marriage I'm not going to let go of my business I'm going to keep praying So I ask you this question before we open this altar today. When the Son of Man comes, when Jesus returns, will he find somebody who still believes that there can be revival in the United States of America? Will he find somebody who believes that the same God who brought a spiritual awakening to New York City in 1857, go home and read about it. Do you know how it started? A great awakening. You know how it started? a prayer meeting with a handful of businessmen that attended the first prayer meeting but God stirred a great awakening in that city, will there be anybody else that believes that God can do in Freedom Point Church what he did in Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in Brooklyn, New York when Pastor Simbalo went there, there were 42 people who were part of a Presbyterian congregation, if you're Presbyterian or you're watching and you're Presbyterian, ain't nothing wrong with that I'm not knocking that, I'm just telling you they weren't, they weren't they did not believe in the manifestations of the Spirit. But God moved on Pastor Symbala. And he said, if you'll have a Monday night prayer meeting. Now think about that. I really didn't realize that until after I started our Monday night prayer meeting. But he said, if you'll have a Monday night prayer meeting. He said, I'll move in this church. He was getting ready to resign. He started having a Monday night prayer meeting. Forty-two people who were a Presbyterian congregation. It wasn't very long until they were a Spirit Field congregation, and you know what? There wasn't any debate about that because those that have been there from the beginning saw it when it originally started taking place in the prayer meetings. They were a spirit-filled congregation. That do you know how many go through their doors now on any given weekend? Ten. Thousand people. Guess what? They still meet once a week for prayer, and over three thousand people show up for that prayer meeting. When God returns, will He find some people that are still believing and still praying, still believing and still praying for God to do what only God can do? Listen, this prayer meeting. I'm going to say this. I'm going to close. We're. This is not just about us. This is not just about us. Do you get that? This is not just about Freedom Point Church. That's why. Harvest Home Church joined us last Monday night. They'll be joining us tomorrow night. I hope you'll be there to be a part of it, but this is not just about us. I said it when I opened, and I'm going to say it again now. I don't want us to just be the catalyst that God uses for a major movement of God in our city. I want us to. It could happen. We could be the one that started the prayer meeting that revival broke out everywhere else but here. Are you with me? I want us to be a part of it all of us to be a part of a major move of God in this city. We're crying out for children who've been told that you don't exist. We're crying out uh, because perversion has multiplied itself in our streets and on our airways. And we're crying out because Jesus went to a cross so that everybody could be forgiven. And and we're crying out and we're believing and we're praying for God to move. I'm going to share this with you and I promise you I'm closing. Open this altar. said we're crying out because perversion has multiplied itself in our streets and in our airways folks I'm realizing I'm getting old Now I know I'm only 45 and that's not old in some eyes and some of you older than 45 are now offended I'm sorry but I realized I was getting old when you know I try to I try to be present on social media as a representative of the church and also of the bank that I work for, but I try to be present in social media. And so I did Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And then I just drew the line at Snapchat. And some of y'all are part of Snapchat. That's okay. I'm not I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you, I drew the line at Snapchat. I said the buck stops here, I'm not doing anymore. So I'm not a part of Snapchat. But I'll say this. I was made aware this week. There's lots of other things out there, and some of you young people know what they are. But I want to encourage you, some way, somehow, watch what your children are being a part of. I don't even really know how to tell you to do it because they can delete their browsing history on their phone, on their computer. I don't know what the answer is. But is there anybody in the house this morning who knows, I didn't, I had no clue, who knows what an OnlyFans is? Anybody know about that? Let me see hands. OnlyFans. OnlyFans. Okay, see, I'm old. Oh, good Lord, David Brown knows what OnlyFans is. <laughs> it was on the news. He said, okay, I'll take that. I thought, my goodness, I'm, I'm, I'm older than you, David, but I'm not <laughs> older than you. Anyway, this is, a, this is real serious, though. And I'm only sharing, sharing this because of the seriousness of it. Because perversion has flooded our streets and our airways. And this week I was made aware of a young lady, I know I'm taking a risk doing this, I don't think she watches our church, but she may, she's never been here. But a young lady who had a, not a rough childhood, a difficult childhood, her mother died when she was very, very young, her father was an alcoholic, so her grandmother raised her. She was raised in church, and as a young girl she was a big part of our lives. We took her on vacations with us. We did things with her. And her brother. Actually, it was her uncle. But anyway, she thought kind of it was her brother. But she was raised in a Pentecostal home in a Pentecostal church her entire life. And to my knowledge, she was still a part of that Pentecostal church. She's still writing on the wall of their social media and asking for prayer and giving praise reports and all that stuff. But just this past week. Somebody sent somebody who knows her, who knows me, a copy of her OnlyFans page and said, is this not so-and-so? And that person came to me and I saw one picture that was not full-blown nudity, thank God. But it was enough for me to know that it was her and these people know her really well. And that picture has haunted me for a week and a half because she's still she's still associating herself with the faith but you know what she's doing and you know what her only fan site is for she is selling personalized explicit pornography on her website customizable videos I didn't look at anything else and I said I don't need to see that I don't want to see anymore but they looked at it and they said it's her it's it's not photoshopped it's really her it's all her and they read to me the descriptions of what she'll do and for how much money and my heart sunk within me do you know what it made me realize folks? it made me realize you can get upset at me if you get offended if you want to but we've got people sitting on Pentecostal pews Who think it's okay to live one way inside these four walls and an entirely different way outside those four walls. Who think it's okay to hide that sin in their tent just like Achan did. And some way, somehow, they're going to coast on into heaven based on what they know. But I want to tell you something this morning. That's not so. I said that's not so. There are people that are going to hell sitting right on church pews going to hell by the droves and we cannot afford to sit back complacently and say anything goes everything's okay don't let me offend you Jesus is love he is all of that but we need to be enough of a praying people if we'll pray we won't even have to preach conviction down God showed us Monday night conviction will fall when we're praying if we'll pray God will draw them in if we'll pray God will deliver them that's a bondage that she's walking in that she doesn't even realize it. but I want to tell you hating on her won't change anything and ridiculing her won't change anything but calling out to God in a private closet of prayer and I've done it I've said God make her so miserable she cannot sleep at night make her so miserable she can't eat a bite of food God deal with her don't let her get a wink of sleep any rest or ease until she says God I'm done with that garbage. I'm going to trust in you. But it will only come by prayer. This is not a fancy altar call this morning. We saw this past Monday night how important prayer is because when we pray, God does the work that we're always trying to do ourselves. So they're going to sing and if you are physically able, I want you to find a place in this altar or at your seat. But please don't just send that, sit there or stand there. Find a place and let's pray.